there's only one in the world. Why can't the rest of the world experience that? I would love to revisit that and bring it all over so everyone can enjoy it. If you like magic, twins, playing cards, cardistry, or if you're hunting for the perfect special gift to give, listen in. Dan Buck from Art of Play has many wonderful stories to share about his business in today's episode. Dan Buck, here you are. Do people Welcome. call you Dan or Daniel? Dan. Anybody call you Daniel? Uh, my mom, when she's mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> what about Danny? I used to go by Danny as a kid. Okay. Yeah. And I, I don't mind it. I think once I'm older, it would be cool to go, to go by Danny. Okay. I have an uncle named Danny. Today we're going to call you Dan. Okay. That work? Yeah. All right. Dan Buck. Here's how I know you. Client of mine. Mostly because you have a wife that's obsessed with Instagram and mid-century architecture. True. Someone who's equally obsessed with good architecture and design. You. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I, I know you to be that. Uh, someone who has a long past with the practice of magic. <laughs> True. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, easier for you to do also because you have a twin brother. You'd think. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, that if movie? I was doing magic and I had a twin brother, like I would take advantage of that. Like that, what's that movie? The Prestige. Yeah. But there then no one Except would have to maybe if no twin. one's seen The Prestige, yeah. <laughs> we just ruin the movie. That's <laughs> true. Sorry, TJ. Go for it. Uh, loves playing with cards and pursuing the limits on what someone can do with them. Yeah. Yeah. I think the word that I've learned by hanging out with you is cardistry. Cardistry, yeah. Yeah. You can tell us more about that later. Loves snowboarding. Also pushing the limits snowboarding. <laughs> A little to the too point much. that you bust your ACL at Bogus Basin. Yeah. That was well, fun for you last year. Yeah. You also are someone who loves accompanying me to Bogus Basin. I appreciate that. Newer resident to Boise, someone newer to investment properties, having recently picked one up in Spokane, Washington, and one right here in Boise. And also someone who has found a new love for slippers. <laughs> I hope you'll elaborate. Wow. <laughs> Let's just keep that one vague. <laughs> Co-owner with your brother of the business called Art of Play. And has recently made partnerships with two of our favorite uh, organizations, the Frank Lloyd Wright Foundation and the Ames Foundation. Sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cool guy. Very cool. Yeah, I want to get to know that Who guy Who has more. partnerships with them? I mean, exactly. both of them. Totally. There's so much more that I could elaborate on, but I'll end there. The real question is this. That's how I know you. How do your closest friends know you and how would they explain you? We'll have to ask them. <laughs> Come on. Oh, no. I, um, I'll do my best. Okay. <laughs> wow. You should have given me a heads up. No. No, that's true. That's, that's cheating. Yeah. Um, someone who is hardworking, super outgoing, humble, incredibly nice, sincere, willing to share, willing to help at a moment's notice, driven, inspired, fascinated by wonder intrigued by curiosity and just driven to change the world. Damn. Wow. That is a list. I mean, I thought I explained a really cool <laughs> guy, but that's like next level. And, and all your friends know you that way? The majority of them? Yeah. I, I would say my closest ones. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I'm glad I'm friends with that guy. Yeah. By the way, thanks for being here. Of course. Yeah. We're excited about yeah. this. We always find that we know you better, even though we know each other pretty well. We always know our, our interviewees better at the end of these podcasts. So I'm looking forward to that. For sure. So TJ, you said, Dan, short time resident, Boise. How'd you get here? How long you been here? Yeah, I've been here uh, a year and a half. Okay. So my wife and I moved here in, f in June of 21. And that was after coming here for the first time in February of 21. So like pre-pandemic. And the reason we came here is because my wife and I had been looking to move somewhere outside of California. 
Uh, The reason being is, long story short, she had recently become self-employed as like a freelance marketer and designer. So we're like, sweet, we don't need to live here anymore. We can live anywhere. This is (laughs) awesome. So we spent like, I don't know, a year and a half to two years traveling all over, trying to figure out where we want to settle down, like what's best for us. And Boise was on the list and TJ showed us all the best spots. (laughs) And uh, thanks to him, we, we fell in love with it. And we're like, let's do this. And I think within like two or three months, we had found a home and made an offer. <laughs> so it, it happened really fast. <laughs> it did. In fact, uh, the trick, since Jed and I both do the same line of work here in the real estate space, was you take the last you know year's worth of homes that were sold that meet the criteria, and then you share it with them and like help them understand like previously what's been made available. And there was one home on the list that we were both like, wait, that one is actually being flipped is not yet on the market. Nice. I bet you we could probably make a play on that one. They're like, really? And it was cool in its original No, it condition. was great. We we picked it out from the list, and we liked it. And lucky for us, it was in the neighborhood that we really wanted to be in but couldn't afford. <laughs> um, so things worked out. We yeah. got You found the, the smallest home in the neighborhood. We found the smallest, <laughs> yeah, cheapest home That's in the true. neighborhood. Well, you're, you know how to make wise real estate choices. Yeah, yeah well... <laughs> I've learned my lesson. I've made a bad one in the past. Yeah. <laughs> Learning experiences. Yeah. So you so you came in February. Yeah. And were you looking at houses then or was that just like scope and Boise? Uh, a little of both. You know, my wife Melissa came across um, your guys' Instagram. So and that's how we met TJ. So in addition to TJ showing us houses, he showed us around the city and introduced us to some really good restaurants and we stayed at the Modern Hotel, which was just cool and Great added spot, to the experience. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a good week. <laughs> we went up to the hot springs, drove around everywhere, went up to the mountains. You know, we kind of saw everything, went to the river. Nice. Yeah. One of the questions I was sorting through with them at the beginning was like, you live next to the beach. You're like, yeah, but we like never go there. Yeah, I, we, we live in the woods. San Diego for nine years and I can't even count the times we went on the beach in one hand, like maybe three or four times. I lived in Santa Barbara for a while and it's like, it's nice to know that it's there and it's beautiful, but when's the last time we've gone to the beach? (laughs) So versus the amount of times you've left Boise to go to the woods. Oh yeah. I mean, I national forest. Yeah. I grew up snowboarding. So that was a huge draw to Boise. Like now I go up a couple of times a week. So I have to ask because a lot of people go on vacation and they're in vacation mode. Yeah. And they're like, this is great. How do we quit our jobs? How do we live here? There's like this amazing view of a space. And then you never do it. But you guys came here and then you moved here. So (laughs) is it same experience? Yeah, honestly, I'm really happy here. Yeah, I think it's a great spot. It has everything we need. Small small city, cool downtown, decent, decent food, getting better. Um, and tons of outdoor activities and we're close by like everything, you know, and you take advantage of it. Often. Yeah. yeah. I think the key is just taking advantage of where yeah. you're at. Like we did not surf. We did not sail. We did not sunbathe. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Get sand up the swim trunks, you know, all this stuff I remember from the beach. Like, yeah. eh, maybe it's not worth paying. Yeah. How long have you owned art of play? My brother Dave and I started art of play in I want to say August of 2013. Okay. So a little over eight years. And that wasn't the first business you owned. No. So tell um, us about all of that. Yeah. So Art of Play came from another company we had um, called Dan and Dave, self-titled. <laughs> it was danandave.com. And we, honestly, for as long as I can remember, since we were kids, I think since we were 12 years old, we, we started an online business. Actually, at first it was a mail order business. And we filmed a, a then VHS instructional video of original cardistry moves. Um, which and, and sorry, for people who don't understand what cardistry is, what does that mean? Cardistry is um, now, today, an internationally recognized skill-based performance art. Um, it's practiced all over the world by hundreds of thousands of primarily 
teenagers into their maybe mid twenties until they figure out they need to make money. Um, it's, it's not an art where you can make a living yet. Um, there are a handful of people out there that do, but I think it's still growing and becoming a sustainable practice. But to back the, the, the art of using cards, the art of manipulating playing cards. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. It's called cardistry. And that we could spend an hour just talking about, but <laughs> to to backtrack, uh, that was our first business selling that instructional tape. And I think we were 12 years old. So that just turned into us, you know, wanting or having that entrepreneurial drive, like, okay, what can we do next to make money? Yeah. So what was an example of some of the skills that you were teaching in the video? Um, I, I have playing no, cards you, here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, this isn't going to translate very well in a podcast. No, not at all. I can <laughs> I can play by play it. Yeah, he's taking the deck of cards out of his pocket. I believe those yeah. are his keys. So this yeah. is like probably something you've seen before in a movie or a commercial. So it's like just manipulating playing cards in like an abstract way. And before, like, I don't want to say before we came along because I think we just got lucky and came along at the right time. But none of this really existed. It existed, but not as like an independent art form. It was like used in sleight of hand magic to like bridging the gaps yeah. between card tricks. Yeah, like to like accentuate a trick. Yeah. You know, like a magician would do a fan, you know, but like how do you take that fan and just escalate it to like <laughs> a new level? <laughs> right. Um, so that's that's what we did. And we had a bunch of original moves we had come up with and we filmed it and, and sold it to others that were interested in it so you were duplicating vh vhs tapes and mailing them yeah we had those old like two deck vcrs yeah. and one at a time copy paste and what <laughs> what, what, what what year or years was this this was i think uh 1999 2000 okay yeah 12 years old yeah nice so i mean we had sold a couple dozen and we're like, this is awesome. We're, we're making money. And that just led long story short to us making more videos or writing like little pamphlets of original that had original tricks in it and going to magic conventions and just selling them out of our backpack. You know, this was pre like internet, pre YouTube or pre really any of that. And you probably weren't paying for a booth. You were just like no, cruising no, we, around. Not only, not only were we not paying for a booth at the convention, but we didn't even pay for registration. Yeah. <laughs> we just showed up in the lobby and, and did our thing. Really? Um, and that's normally at conventions where everyone hangs and out. And how old were you then? Oh, this was early, early teens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 14, 15, 16. Like how we, much trouble can you get in at that age, right? You could yeah, be doing a lot worse things. Exactly. <laughs> no, our, our parents didn't mind. And, and thankfully... They let us travel, you know, at an early age. They let us attend these conferences, which is really what made a name for us. You know, we would go to as many of these as we could afford. <laughs> um, and I, I think the fact that we were twins identified us more easily. Like, we became known as the Buck Twins or Dan and Dave. Like, we're twins. We're doing something extremely unique. You know, how, how can you forget that? So you were bouncing around to those, and then, I mean... The internet must have hit and you had a way of publishing videos or monetizing yeah how did and that evolve at some point you know we f we formed a website uh dan and dave, we got lucky and dan and dave was available dan and dave.com when you at back then when you searched dan and dave the olympians yeah, that was the first thing up. that came to mind too yeah which is funny no one really knows the full story but they never even made it to the olympics <laughs> But anyway, it took a long time for us to, I guess, get a better ranking than them. <laughs> you sound a little bitter, like, you know, we're doing something here. <laughs> Those guys never even made it. <laughs> yeah. But so we, fo we formed a website, danandave.com, where at first we just sold a couple things, a video, instructional pamphlets. And then we're like, well, we're out of material. Like, we can't, we can't create fast enough. So... We had a bunch of friends in the industry and in the community, and we started producing stuff for them. Filming, like DVDs became popular, filming instructional DVDs and selling them on our site. Um, those did well. And then, you know, over the years, it just grew into this very reputable 
magic company where magicians from all over the world would go to learn new magic tricks. <laughs> Do you remember any like mile marker stats about like website activity or the amount of, you know, units you sold of something like early on where you're like, Oh my gosh, can you believe we did that? Yeah. Yeah. But it was later on. We were always just focused on creating like the next thing. Like, so you didn't really care about the stats no, at I, that point. I, you were just trying I didn't to, e I didn't even care. I didn't even know about it. Like I didn't know to check the analytics or the stats or like, I didn't even know to check the financial aspect of it back then. Yeah. Our just focus was on just like doing what we loved and creating and, and growing this thing that we were growing. Like back then there was no clear vision of like where we're taking this or what it's going to end up being. Like we were just in, in the moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it sounds like you weren't feeling discouraged along the process. Like I, I have to wonder as you're putting stuff out and there's a wider reach with the web, like if you go from, these conventions, you know, there's probably more people that like know your name and walk up and you're like, like you feel that build like a band that's touring and they get a song on the radio and all of a sudden like there's triple the amount of people and they're singing their lyrics. Like you feel like there's some connection that way, I would assume. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, subconsciously we could tell it was growing because we were producing more and more material and we were able to produce material from like world-class performers and of magicians in this niche community, I should say, because um, it is very niche. Yeah, you're famous they, in your own little world. They were idols to us as yeah. kids, and then years later, and now we're producing videos and, and books of their work. Um, so it was super exciting at the time. Yeah. But that just introduced us and to retail, um, and it was just like a college course in, in retail and design and marketing and advertising and video production because we we had to do everything ourselves there was no other way right like we didn't know how to hire someone back then that the thought didn't even come to our mind it's like oh we need to learn photoshop oh we need to learn illustrator final cut pro what's that let's learn it right. <laughs> you know? so was there like some of these people you said that were idols or maybe even names that were mainstream people that you're like, okay, we're going to produce this video for you. And they're coming in and you're like, oh, I hope they don't find out. We're just winging it here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had success, but did you feel like, oh man. This yeah, there's, yeah. I mean, production, the production world is tough. Like there's always problems. And you never really know what you're doing. <laughs> there's a few things that did not turn out so well, but <laughs> for the most part, we were pretty good. Yeah. We understood. Like we were film students and, and appreciated film. So we, we had that sort of background and, and applied that to a much smaller industry. So already it was like better than anything else out there. <laughs> but, so you were going through high school and then film did were you in university for film school um, at the time? Yeah, I mean our we tried no, we never made it to a university. After high school we we moved to Orange County. Okay. I went to a junior college there called Orange Coast College yeah with the hopes of getting into USC film school uh, we worked our ass off for two years got great grades had amazing letters of recommendation for the film department and got denied we were super upset and then we're like let's move to Vegas <laughs> that was that's the short story a friend of ours had a house in Vegas that she wasn't living in and She's like, hey, do you guys want to move to Vegas and, and just caretake my house? And we're like, absolutely, we'll do that because we've been wanting to shoot this project of ours. Um, so we spent two years living in Vegas shooting a three DVD set, uh, which was like an anthology of all of our work. This was when we were 20 and it changed like the industry, basically. And I think it was at that point where like, oh, wow, like we're we're on to something. We, we can do something incredible here. So there's a 3 DV set, like beautifully packaged in like a Criterion Collection style box with a fold-out digipack with a, a, a small booklet insert, like beautiful menus. Like we spent a lot of time on it. Basically used all of our practice and knowledge up until that point into this project. And like right away, like 20,000 units sold. And we're like, wait, what? <laughs> And this was an $85 DVD set. That's the mile wow. marker I was looking yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. And it continued to sell for like six years, like just nonstop. 
was the quality of like the physical product it was, lacking yeah, it on was, elsewhere was, in the industry? Exactly. There was just nothing else like it in our community or in our industry. You know, it was like criterion level design packaging and the video production. Now I look at it and it was super amateurish, but I'm sure at the time it was like great. You know, you felt good about <laughs> yeah. it, putting it out. I'm but sure the material was new and refreshing. Um, it was very visual. It was just a different kind of, of magic or a different kind of sleight of hand that, you know, that industry was used to. And it was just like an eye opener to them. Did you just build out a studio in this house? You were house sitting or where was everything filmed? Yeah. It, we just filmed it in this, the living room of this house. Yeah. It was fully furnished. So thanks friend for letting us do that. <laughs> for changing our lives. <laughs> yeah. But with, but with that, like, you know, there's, I don't know, I don't know how you guys want to, where you want to take this podcast, but there's so many avenues. You're just storytelling, run with we, it. We made a ton, like we were kids, we were 20, 21, fairly young. We made a ton of money right away. And with that, we purchased a condo, like right in the heart of Hollywood. Like that was like where we wanted to be at the time. And it was in two, like early 2007. And like great time to buy great a house. Time, perfect time to buy a house. So <laughs> like like four months after we bought it and had just forked over a ton of cash. Like basically you and your brother bought it together. Yeah. The market, like this is when the market crashed and like 10 years later we sold it and we sold it for lower than what we oh bought it for. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't think to still to this day it's recouped. Like that area is just rough. Mm. So wow. Yeah, lesson, lesson learned. So you got out of Vegas. You didn't want to hang out in Vegas? No, like, LA is like sort of the magic hub. And at the time we were still very much in the scene in that world. We were well known. We had a very popular website um, and we were flying people to Vegas to shoot videos and stuff. Magic is home to like some of the best magicians in the world. It's also home to the magic castle, which is like Hogwarts for magicians. <laughs> so it just made sense. And we wanted to be in the film and television world. Like we were consulting on films. We were doing hand doubling work for various movies. So it, it just made sense that we needed to be in LA at the time. And, and we took it and we used it to our advantage for, you know, 10 years. And, and ha where does art of play come into the story? How'd you get there? Yeah. So art of play is like the culmination of all of this stuff. Like this was like our, our college course, like teaching us how to do all of this. And in 2003, DanandDave.com was incredibly popular and it, and it was selling like instructional videos, DVDs, books, apparatus for magicians, accessories, and playing cards, tons of playing cards. This was around the time like designer playing cards were extremely popular. We were producing a lot of them and we were selling tens of thousands of them. It was like taking over our website. So designer player cards yeah. for us that aren't in the industry. Design, I mean, like, it's just a unique deck of, it's a standard deck of playing cards just with a unique design. If that helps you. <laughs> yeah, like par partnering with like artists or like yeah, just. Yeah. Like we're doing, there's a, a local artist in town uh, named Ashley Dreyfus. Oh, yeah. you're doing we're, one with her? We're doing a deck with her. Oh, that's Terrific. Cool. So it's like partnering with a unique artist or graphic designer and having them design a back design, design all the face cards, cool packaging. Um, it's just a unique design that's a very playable deck of playing cards. So those were becoming popular and kind of cannibalizing everything else on the website, mm. right? Uh, so we decided, okay, we're going to start a new company and only sell playing cards. And Art of Play, at the time short for Art of Playing Cards, um, it wasn't available, but we spent a decent amount of money on <laughs> purchasing the domain, which I'm very glad we did because it's, it's a good one. Um, and we separated denanddave.com into two companies. It was Art of Play and then later on Art of Magic. And then denanddave.com kind of just disappeared. So now we had a very clear focus. Like we had built this empire, this, this company that sold way too much stuff and there wasn't like a clear vision. It's like you would go to the site and you're like, uh, what, 
what do you guys do? Like, Cheesecake factory. Yeah. Too many options. Yeah, exactly. So just we, add advertising. We had the, the genius idea at the time, like, okay, we're going to do art of play for playing cards and art of magic for all of our magic stuff. And it worked great. Art of play. When we launched, we had like 10 or 12 different playing cards and it was going really well. We slowly grew that. Now we're eight and a half years later and that we sell games, puzzles, toys, home goods, furniture, unique accessories, unique amusements from all over the world. And the art of magic thing just totally died just because that we like long story short, like our pack, we grew out of that passion. I think as we just got older, we were more intrigued by other things. And that's such a small industry anyway, that it was hard to really like we had peaked. It's like, where do we go from here? How do we grow this? We tried for two years and we're like, well, we can't like, we can do that with art of play. Uh, website artofplay.com yeah instagram account yeah is what art of play art of play if somebody's new to that world do you steer them to the website first or the instagram page first yeah probably the instagram it's just like a quick visual overview i'm curious um you've morphed into selling stuff outside of just playing cards yeah what is the most popular non-playing card item that you sell we saw a ton of puzzles. Okay. I think puzzles have now surpassed playing cards for sure. Really? Yeah. And what I mean by puzzles, when I say puzzles, most people think like jigsaw puzzles. We we specialize in more mechanical puzzles, um, like cast metal puzzles or puzzle boxes. Uh, we sell we curate a lot of stuff from Japan, and Japan is uh, well known for their puzzle boxes. Um, you've probably seen like a Yosegi puzzle box, which is like those beautiful marquetry boxes. Um, but yeah. Chocolate I puzzles, I just found out. Oh, yeah. And we have that chocolate bar puzzle. Yeah. And games and toys and, and more recently furniture. But I think what makes Art of Play unique is everything we sell is is playful and has a sort of magical or surreal quality to it. So we're not just going to sell a chair. You know, it's anyone can sell a chair. Right. Like we have a, a Yosegi stool that is a stool that pulls apart and turns into two stu- two stools. So it's kind of like a puzzle in a way. Or one of my favorite objects is like a floating um, succulent plant, which is just a beautiful planter that floats in midair and holds a, an air plant or That's a cool. succulent. Yeah. Yeah. So when... Ever you don't know what to buy someone. Oh, yeah. Artofplay.com and yeah. you'll find a gift. <laughs> For sure. We are something that will be interesting enough to gift someone. For sure. We are yeah. And the best as, place to as far gifts. as like curating everything, is are you still picking it all yourselves or what's the structure of the business as far as number of employees or production, warehousing, like a lot of drop shipping? How's that all laid out? Um, yeah. So we have a team of of 12 on art of play. Then we also have a bunch of freelancers we use for like photography and videography, but it's, there's three owners. It's Dave, my twin, myself, and our, our good friend, Adam Rubin, who's based on the East coast in Brooklyn, New York. Um, but it's the three of us who, who curate and, and design and come or design or come up with a lot of the designs you see. If you're curating something that you're not making yourself, is there one of you that plays more of a primary role in that task? Yeah, I've sort of taken on that role. Okay. But we all we all have very similar tastes, and we're all constantly looking for new things to add to the collection. Uh, Pre-COVID, we, we traveled a lot um, and would go all over the world trying to seek out. Like, we would take, like, month-long trips to Japan and just go into all these little shops and, and try yeah. to find unique items that you just can't find over here. Or we go to a bunch of shows like toy shows and gift shows. It's like us with mid-century architecture here in Boise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None of us can stop looking. No. Trying to find you're on vacation. You're like, I'm, I'm no, still, it's, it's yeah. fun. Yeah. Adam, our partner's on vacation now in, in Mexico and he's sending us stuff. Oh, so, is he really? So it's like, it, it yeah. never ends. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you get like, you mentioned Japan a couple times and some of this, it sounds like there's definitely a subculture happening, but 
where you go in and people are like, Hey, are you that like 12 or 13? Were you the twins that had that video? Do you get that ever? Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, it'd be, we've been recognized a few times. Um, but it's, yeah, the industry is so small. That was, that was like luck. If you're going to meet them, you're going to have yeah. already met them probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, have you heard the story about Jennifer Pisano's brother meeting Dave for the very first time here? I mean, down here. No. Tell that story. That was real fun. Oh yeah. So, uh, <laughs> for my wife's birthday, uh, last June, uh, we were out and about, we had dinner and we were walking through downtown Boise and, uh, there's a bar in town called The Mode. We, yep. we had never been. We're like, oh, let's get a cocktail. So it was like Friday or Saturday night. It was very busy. We stand in line and uh, we get to the front door and the doorman's like, and we're like, yeah, table for two. And he's like, no problem. I'll get you guys right in. And also, I know who you are. <laughs> 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 Something like that. Yeah. But it turns out he's he's a big fan and customer of ours. Um and now we're good friends, so that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty funny. Boise. Oh, I mean, and and on top of that, you know, it's small on top of small, because it is. It's a small little subculture of a world, right? And you know, ninety eight percent of the people that live here in Boise have no idea who you are because they're not in that subculture. Yeah, yeah, like wandering around LA, you know, more likely that yeah. that would happen. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's cool to see art of play become more and more popular. Like. When I first moved here, I was working at Necker Coffee, and I have an Art of Play sticker on my computer. And one of the baristas questioned it and had purchased some decks. Oh, that's awesome. So it's really cool. Yeah. Huh. So a question we like to ask is, if the story of your business was a book, what would the name of the current chapter be? And which, which chapter within the book? That's funny. We... We're working on a book, my brother and I, and we we debated for the longest time on calling it chapter one. The whole book? <laughs> the whole book, <laughs> which is a little egotistical and not very cool. But I think we we decided on calling it Flourish. Um, it's like everything we do just spawns out beyond us. And that's, that's the goal, to spread our love and joy and wonder with everyone else. So flourish currently would be the chapter. Well, flourish would be the name of the book. Okay. Yeah, I the think we're talking about two separate things here. Yeah. That's the, cool. The what we want to know is what chapter are you on in the story of your business? Right. Oh. And what is that chapter called? This okay. Specifically the business. Yes. Right? Art of play. Yeah. Or your group of businesses. I, I mean, it's the the preface. Like we're just getting started. Yeah. We haven't even. It's not even a chapter. It's not even a chapter. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you got lots more to do. Yeah, I mean, we. So, like early on, I said when we were kids, like there was no vision. We just loved doing what we were doing, and that's great. But I think at a certain point, and the younger the better, is to really have that clear vision of where you want to take your company or your life. Yeah. Because once you do that, like you can really start seeing it evolve and climbing the mountain, so to speak. And it's really fascinating. Yeah. Compounds easier. Yeah. 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 So seriously, we're in the preface. I think so. There's a lot more to be There's, seen. So what was it when you were 12 or 13? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was the, the pre, uh, pre, you can't even be a prequel. Oh, no, <laughs> no, we're talking specifically art of play. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got that it. that yeah. didn't exist until tw eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I follow you now. Yeah. <laughs> maybe okay maybe a more realistic answer would be like chapter two or something. <laughs> that, that, that's, that seems more realistic we ask okay. you the question you answered it you're right yeah. We're, yeah, it's the right answer yeah, whatever your answer is yeah i mean i say that because i i don't think it's possible to do what we envision to do in our lifetime it it has to evolve be well beyond us just because there's not enough time but i would hope it exists beyond well beyond our lifetime. Yeah. I continue. love the ambitious thinking. Yeah. It's great. You'll be stagnant without it. Yeah. What does chapter 10 look like? I'm curious. Like we're 20 years down the road. What What's in store for Art of Play? Art of Play is the, the leading toy company in the world. 
with flagship locations in every major city and we've maybe museums all over the world like there's a place in san francisco called the exploratorium which if anyone is ever in san francisco it's my number one recommendation it's just like disneyland for adults but disneyland is also for adults that's not a good way to describe it how would you describe it's it? your it's your niche market world version of Disney. Yeah, it's like a STEM museum. It's like everything from biology to physics to science to math to obscure objects and engineering marvels. Like it's just a really cool interactive museum of wonder. Yeah. That's maybe a good way to describe it. But like there's only one in the world. Why can't the rest of the world experience that? I would love to revisit that um, and bring it all over so everyone can enjoy it. Um, I'm fascinated by the old world's fair. I would love to do something like that of that scale, which would be a dream come true. That'd be awesome. Maybe that's like chapter 10. Yeah. Do you expect that this will be the business you'll be running for the rest of your life? Or do you expect that there's other businesses outside of art of play that you'll be yeah, exploring? Yeah, I think I... My current obsession is art of play, but I, I think with where we'd like to take it, it, it will be a very different company, you know? Like, Apple, I mean, Apple started out as a, technolo like a technology hardware company, and they're not even close to being that today. Right. Maybe, I mean, our primary focus right now is retail. Maybe in 20 years, we don't even, we're not retail. I, I don't know. Your I mean, experience. We, yeah. We'd love to, you know, work on documentary films and, and books. And we have a recent publication called Tangram, which is a, a bi-yearly um, journal. We just sent our third one to print, which is exciting. That's cool. Is there any brick-and-mortar space now? Yeah, we, we do have a brick-and-mortar in San Diego. Okay. Um, and the, the goal for this year is to open another one in, in Brooklyn. And if we can find a space in, in Boise, we would totally open. I'm just, I'm super picky and I want the right space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to do it. Got to do it right. Yeah. But yeah, I think if, if you go to our website, you'll see a bunch of cool stuff. But brick and mortar makes sense because you really have to experience it in right. person. Everything, you know, moves and animates and articulates and does something cool that you just can't see online. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in the meantime, we were talking about this at Bogus the other day. You're trying to do a better job of capturing that in video. Yeah. Kind of to bridge the gap until you can get to more retail yeah, locations. Yeah. We have been doing a lot more video, which totally helps. Yeah. Anything dimensional. I mean, it sounds like just visually these things, like I know the MoMA store has a lot of these cool, like dimensional yeah. things, yeah. but, and they show videos where you can never like capture that in a, photograph a static yeah. shot yeah tell us about your partnership with frank lloyd wright and the eames foundations for i think since high school we've my brother and i have been just fascinated by design and architecture uh dave we were just going through old hard drives actually and he found his senior project and it was on custom playing cards and he actually designed an eames deck play that <laughs> wow. is funny which is really funny and that like in in college we you know studied the Eames we watched all of their films and and flipped through all of their books and just loved what they did and we've tried to make an Eames deck in the past like this was not the first time like we've contacted the organization many times and it wasn't until 2020 where I decided to try again I don't know I'm like I want to make this happen like I really want this to happen. Like I'm, I'm in love with their stuff. There's so much potential. We can do so much cool stuff with, you know, what they have in their catalog, apart from just new stuff. Um, so I sent them a really nice email and Eames Dimitros, the grandson got back to me and we started chatting and he's a super cool guy and just loved what we did and believed in us. And we made it happen. That's awesome. Yeah. It just launched, didn't it? Yeah, we just launched the first the first design last October. Yeah. And I think you told me also that their House of Cards product that comes in various sizes, 
Yeah. That they've asked you to help them yeah, rework that? Definitely. Yeah. They also have a very well-known product called House of Cards, which is a building, a building blocks made out of paper, basically. But they've asked for help manufacturing that. So that's pretty exciting. Actually, one of the first things I asked them about in, in my email was like, I would love to continue their line of toys. Like back in the day, they made some really cool toys. They still have a few of the items in print, but like, what if we just took their mentality and expanded upon it? Like, right. like the Eames office is incredible. I mean, they have a catalog of some of the best designs in the world, specifically furniture, but they haven't really done anything new. Yeah. Like, why not? Like you could still be an amazing design agency, right. even though they're dead. Like. We <laughs> well, their factory was like a fun house. Their like factory, everything I, yeah, I wish that still went. existed. Yeah, and I, I think they would want it to continue without them, with their design principles yeah, intact. I, I agree. I mean, it, it's interesting. Like there are, you know, amazing architects whose agencies have lived on well past them. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that both like Frank Lloyd Wright and the Eames like sort of died with them. Which, I mean, maybe makes sense because they were just visionaries and no one could come, come close. But I think we can. <laughs> I fully support it. And I think a big thing that we talk about is like keeping stuff fun because like design can get pretty highbrow. And I'm a purist in a lot of senses. But like it was fun. Like they were having fun. They were just making stuff. Yeah. And like, but then we took it all too serious and the, we added a couple zeros to the price tags. And like, I think a, like a re-injection of some yeah. fun in that industry would help a lot. And I mean, you're working with these people, so you have, I have an outside perspective, but I feel like modernism needs to be fun again, in a way. Yeah, totally. <laughs> There's an opening for that through play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think our values connect perfectly. Like they were all about play and fun. Um, so yeah, just I, look at the picture of Charles and Ray on the motorcycle. You know, <laughs> I mean, they had a lot of really fun. Yeah, so I, I hope this could lead to, yeah. to other projects as well, not and, just and playing what cards. Yeah, and what about the Frank Lloyd Wright Foundation? Same thing. Like, I've toured many of his homes, read, flipped through many of his art books, and seen his furniture museums. Like, he's just one of a kind like he did everything i i don't even understand how a single person could be that creative like mm -hmm. to design furniture and be like simultaneously one of the best graphic designers that ever lived let alone architect and furniture designer and flatware designers like it's crazy like the body of work clothing like everything yeah so that's obviously intriguing yeah. and i'm a huge fan and and would love to do something of that caliber I'll, that'll probably never happen. <laughs> well, so far, would you say those are some of your biggest successes with the business? Partnering with these, like, everyone knows those names and being able to work on products with those foundations. I think they're just like a checklist off our own, our own goals, you know? I'm sure, like, there's competitors out there who are doing, like, Star Wars decks and I'm, I'm sure that will sell way better than our Frank Lloyd Wright deck. But, but for you personally, for, for us as success in the business, like, yeah, like what you the, would rank like, in. Yeah, this is huge. Like this is a dream come true. Like we're working with the Frank Lloyd Wright Foundation. That's incredible. And we're going to create something on paper that will last forever and hopefully live up to his standards. Like I want to create a deck that would live on his drafting table when he was still alive. Like that would be amazing. For sure. Mm. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, give me one more really big win that you feel like you've experienced since you've been in business. What do you, I, I don't know. Um, what do you give me something else? Like you hit a home run. Oh, like I mean, me, nothing, give me a home run moment. Nothing's easy. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that there's been a home run moment. I mean, you you explained that DVD set yeah when you were in your twenties yeah that was a home run moment for you but that was like our at the time like our life's work right yeah post that have yeah. you had any other home run moments I don't I don't know I don't so s slowly building towards the things that you're wanting to do yeah every everything is slow and steady for yeah, us totally <laughs> yeah 
What about biggest failure so far? Biggest failure so far? I mean, everything's a learning lesson for sure. I, I definitely have no regrets. That doesn't mean there's not failures. Or, um, or mistake, whatever yeah. you want to call it. I mean, probably maybe there's a couple like buying our expensive condo in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's probably, um, but we learned so much. For, I think our failures have turned into successes because we'll fail and then we'll kind of, you know, refocus, tie ourselves in the deep end, so to speak. Yeah. And we'll do everything we can to get out of it. And that's the drive we need to be innovative and to succeed. And that's sort of been our like, I mean, that's just sort of what we've done. Like we, we tie ourselves up and do anything we can to get out of it. Whether it's buy an expensive condo that we can't afford. Okay, so now we got to start a business so that we can't afford this. <laughs> <laughs> Grinding it. Well, I have to, yeah. something just occurred to me that I have to ask too, because we all get overwhelmed with the lack of time and wish that we could clone ourselves. And you, that's what I'm saying. Like what sort of advantages and disadvantages is partnering with your twin brother? Cause it's such a unique situation. It is unique. And the twin thing is incredible. And I wish someone could figure out how to like inject it into everyone because I, f- I truly believe that like he can learn, he can spend a month learning a new task or a new skill or read a new book. And then I'm like instantly it's like downloaded into my system. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, and I say that because we'll work together obviously every day and we'll have conversations and we'll work on a new project. And it's like, we've both been working on it since the beginning. It's just a weird mm. sensation. That is really cool. Yeah. So we also enjoy asking the question, what's your biggest piece of advice? And if the answer was not, find a way to get a twin, <laughs> which I think is what you're proposing, what else would it be? I mean, yeah, find, find a partner who's equally passionate as you are about doing whatever you're into, you know, because it's, it's like a back and forth game, so to speak. You're constantly trying to outdo each other. And that alone is, you know, creates inspiration and, and that drive to succeed. I mean, that's how I think we've, we've done everything. That's how we've evolved cardistry into, you know, an international art form or how we've grown art of play into a popular e-commerce store. I read a business book one time that said, don't ever hire just one salesperson. Make sure you hire two so that they're competing. Against Push each, each other. other. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe that's true. But I mean, obviously do, do what you love, and love what you do. Well, that's the next question. Thanks for the nice little segue. Are you happy? Yeah. I mean, I, I never feel like I'm working. I feel like I can do anything I want. I mean, I, I go snowboarding whenever I want, which is, which is fun. Sometimes with lots of emails to catch back up on when you get yeah, back. Of course. Especially around the holidays when it's your busy season. Yeah, definitely. And do you think uh, moving to Boise has accelerated that for you? You know what I thought? I thought moving away from like our our home base, our headquarters, so to speak, would would free up some time, but now it doesn't. Um, I just found new things to do, but yeah, I'm I'm happy here. I think I'm I live a way better lifestyle than I did in San Diego, and that's just because I'm doing more of what I love, you know. Which is the Boise way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've found a lot of people that feel the same way here, don't you? Yeah. I mean, for sure. California's just got way too many problems. <laughs> <laughs> but moving here, I think some people are like, oh, I'll be disconnected if I'm like in a small, and Boise's not as small as it used to be, but do you feel like it's no, stunted anything for you? Being? No, I mean, we're, we're close to a great airport. I can fly anywhere, which is, you know, that was one of the needs in moving to a new city. Um, cause I do travel a lot, but no, I don't feel trapped at all. Like it's, it's quite the opposite. Like it's, it's amazing. Like I would sit in traffic every day. Now I ride my bike to work and don't even know what traffic is. I could never afford a house in San Diego. And now I live in an awesome mid-century house and in, in a beautiful neighborhood. And you are a one car family. And you're a one car yeah, <laughs> and literally. That's just because I ride my bike everywhere. Yeah. But yeah. 
even in the freezing cold. Yeah. You rode your bike here? No, I did not. Oh, you didn't ride your bike here? No, I thought I thought about it. No, I thought you did. Well, it's been fun. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully it was somewhat insightful. Well, here's what we're looking for. <laughs> um, every business owner that we interview has a different journey and a you know lens by which they view what they do and the work that they're yeah that consumes them. So we're trying to get varied business owners on the podcast because we know that there are a lot of different people here in the community that, you know, see things differently. Yeah. And so we appreciate the the vastness of perspective and approach and what people are spending their time on. But what we're really excited about is if they hear something that you said that they identify with or that they're excited to learn more about, um, we're always trying to offer the opportunity for them to connect with you. And would that be something that you would welcome? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And yeah. you can actually find Dan at most of the coffee shops throughout Boise, which is where he posts up often. It's true. Uh, it, but the hard part is figuring out which one it is on which day. Cause you rotate them. Do you have a <laughs> yeah. schedule or are you just like, where, what do I feel like today? I think I probably like subconsciously have a schedule. Yeah. Like, I mean, I really only switch between three shops, but only three. Only three. <laughs> the three with the best Wi-Fi yeah. and best coffee. None of them have good Wi-Fi. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if someone wants a business opportunity in Boise, like open a really badass co-working space. Yeah. It doesn't exist and I would be there. And I'm sure a lot of other people would too. Not the first time we've heard that. Yeah. But if somebody is wanting to connect with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, Instagram is always good. You can DM directly on Art of Play okay. um, or email contact at artofplay.com. Uh, I, I honestly personally don't ever do social. I stopped years ago, but I, I still get emails yeah. like, forwarded to me all the time. Cool. Yeah. So that's the best way to get you? Yeah. yeah. Cool. If they can't track you down at a coffee shop. Yeah. But What's your favorite one? Um, I like Necker. Yeah. yeah. We got good coffee. Good coffee. Great space. Good vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Right in downtown. Yeah. Cool. Did you have fun? Great. I had fun. Did you have fun? Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Hope hope the listening audience got to hear from another business owner who lives in Boise and is building business really for the next. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, definitely soon in Boise. Yeah. yeah. We'll have a retail shop here. And go watch the videos. You got to see it, right? <laughs> I mean, can't explain it on a podcast. No, three-dimensional yeah. has a hard time <laughs> translating through podcasts. Those are some cool moves, though, that he did with his hands. It the, was. The decks. I, would, I didn't do a play-by-play because I didn't even know how to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again. Appreciate it. Yeah. And, yeah, definitely anybody that wants to connect with Dan, those are the best ways to get him. And um, we hope you learned something new today. So cool. thank you. Yeah, no problem. Hey, thanks for joining us today and listening in. We're really glad that you did. We're always open to having more guests on the podcast. And so long as they live here in Boise and are actively involved in building business here, no matter where that business might be located, we're actually very interested in learning more from them and potentially sharing their story through this podcast. Feel free to send us a recommendation for a future guest or simply connect with us on Instagram at Boise Business Builders. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and we would greatly appreciate a review. Thanks again.